Hello and welcome to Sunny Side Up. My name is Mitul Shah, CEO of Demand Matrix. Sunny Side Up is 15 minutes of concentrated analysis and advice from startup founders, B2B marketers, sales and product leaders. Hello and welcome to Sunny Side Up. My name is Mitul Shah. I'm the founder and CEO of Demand Matrix. Uh, for this particular podcast, we thought uh, we would mix up things a little rather than discussing about B2B marketing and or maybe B2B marketing problems, new innovations in this area. We thought, how about we discuss how to hire best marketer, or should I say tech marketer? And being as a tech entrepreneur, this problem is very close to me. So it's my pleasure to have this Q&A with Rick Girard, founder and CEO of Stride Search and the host of uh, Higher Power Radio Show. If you're in market to figure out how to recruit or what's the best practice for recruiting, you should definitely check out this uh, radio show. While Rick is on a mission to disrupt the recruiting and talent acquisition, I'm on a different mission myself, but we both know that without the right people and right talent, I won't make it for sure, neither with a lot of companies. So here we are with Rick to discuss what can be done to hire better people, right people, right fit, uh, while also throwing light on the key issues related to hiring within B2B marketing and sales segment. So Rick, welcome to our show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, Mitchell. So, Rick, let's uh, start by you telling the audience a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. We'd love to know a little bit about Stride Search and what made uh, you know you start that company. And uh, we'd love to you know learn a little bit about the Higher Power Radio Show. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I'll try and summarize it quickly. I'm like most people, kind of fell into recruiting. Um, I don't think anybody gets out of school and says, hey, I want to be a recruiter when I grow up. <laughs> but I went to art school and the poor starving artist thing just wasn't working for me. But I knew a guy who was doing really well and he happened to be a recruiter and he recruited me and boom, set me off to the wolves in the business. And I've been recruiting in, uh, in tech in the Silicon Valley for well, almost all my, all my career and uh, love it. I live it. It's like the best thing that I've ever done. I'm passionate about it. I have so much fun on a daily basis, which you probably don't hear from very many recruiters. So I started Stride Search uh, when I moved back to California. I've been fortunate enough to be fairly successful. I built a company. I was able to sell it. I moved to Hawaii for about 10 years. And then I moved back here a few years ago. And we started up Stride Search fully on a different model. Uh, we're a retained search firm. We specialize in placing key hires within uh, tech companies, primarily engineering and sales and marketing. And uh, the idea is to kind of provide a, a full candidate experience that is treating people the way they want to be treated and getting them to kind of invest themselves into the organization independent of whatever monetary compensation you give somebody. So that was the idea and the concept behind Stride Search. Uh, we've been running heavily, I think, since about 2012. We're a small shop, we're boutique, and we're kind of focused in on really bringing high-quality hires to our customers. And not only that, we, we help with building out their whole interview process and everything else as well. That's fantastic. Well, as a, as a tech company here in the Bay Area, you know, ourselves, I mean, this problem is very close to my heart. I can totally relate to it. I feel so your pain. <laughs> <laughs> so why do B2B and tech companies, tech startups, in general, have such a hard time hiring great talent. And even after you know able to recruit and get the great talent, they struggle with culture fit. 
Do you see this? This is a common phenomenon. This is something, I guess, you see this on a daily basis? Every day. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's not enough care that's put or thought that's put into building an interview process, extracting information, really understanding what it is that your company needs. There's also, I find quite often a disconnect in what the culture really is between that and what the executives think it is. And so that tends to make it more difficult to hire. So the other piece is that people don't really know how to interview for cultural fit. Mm. What they do is they interview for skills. It's very easy with somebody who's technical to run a whiteboard or do some sort of coding test or gauge their technical abilities and make a decision based on whether or not they're good. But there's very little thought that goes into, or it's more of a feel thing, I find most of the time. Like, oh, I felt like I could hang out with them. I can go maybe go grab a beer. He seemed pretty cool. But there's no evidence to back any of that. So thought needs to go into that process so that people have evidence as to whether or not somebody's going to be able to, to fit and help grow the organization. But the trouble part in, in this, and you know, I can relate to it again, that when you're in the beginning, when you get started, you know, and there are a few people, these are your, probably your friends, you got started with that. And as you're trying to scale, right, that, that's when you, you, you're hish, you know, hitting a lot of these you know, yep. issues and trying to find that right talent and try, talent that would fit your culture, you know, is, as you said, it's hard. It takes a while and you need somebody like yesterday. So in that case, would you recommend that find the best you can right now and keep upscaling rather than waiting for the best talent or your 10x marketer or your 10x engineer? So I'm a big believer in hire for culture first, skills second, because I think skills can be learned. And I guess a caveat to that culture piece, you really want somebody who's got the right attitude. I think quite often what ends up happening is, as you mentioned, when you start out, you just need to get a product out. You just need to get the work done. So it's not as important. And when you're small, it's a small culture. It's like it kind of weeds people out or in based on that. But as you mentioned, when you scale, what ends up happening is that now you have a situation where you probably might not have the right person in the right seat. You may not have people who can scale or grow the organization the way you need it. So you need to augment that and bring other people in. Where it's tricky is that you've got your already established culture and you may have somebody that wants that role, but not. you've got a lot of little factors to kind of play into this whole thing, right? So, I mean, first and foremost, you want to be able to retain your people and you want to be able to provide growth opportunities. So upskilling, you should be providing growth for the people that you do have. But when you need to augment them with other people, you should be looking for the best talent. You know, you're in a highly competitive environment, you being in the Bay Area. You never know when somebody's going to poach one of your people. The way that you can combat that as, as a CEO is just make sure that you're very career-minded of the people that you do have. But you should always be interviewing. You should always be looking for better talent because when you bring in somebody better, they're going to help elevate the performance of the rest of the company. So I've known quite a few CEOs that have this mentality and they're always interviewing people. And even if you don't have a position open, if you find somebody who's golden, who you can bring into the organization who's going to make an impact and create something for them, by all means.
Interesting. So am I hearing you correctly that the different stages of the business, so like whatever, if I can use an example, like zero to million dollar, you need certain type of people, one to 10 or whatever is the 10 to 50, you need different type or types of people. And for the different stages of the company, you need to be putting different different type of skills and different experience and different type of people. People who work for you for zero to one may or may not work, you know, when you get to one to 10. Yeah. I mean, it's entirely true. Or it may be a situation where that person is in the wrong seat and maybe you need to move them or create another seat for them somewhere else. So you should constantly be looking at your people and talking to your people and finding out where they feel they're going to be successful. If you have somebody who's starting to slip, you know, it's expensive to go out and start a search and acquire new talent. It's really expensive, especially in the Valley. I mean, and if you've got a high bar for talent, then it becomes more expensive unless you are able to favorably kind of tilt the favor in your direction by kind of providing something more than just the monetary compensation. But it could be something as simple as taking somebody who's doing one job and moving them into another job and then backfilling out of their position. You know, as a CEO, you should probably be monitoring that quite often to understand your people. If you understand where your people are, then you're going to have pretty good retention and you're not going to lose people. Lots of people right now are just focused in on growth. The number one reason why when I call up and recruit people and we talk about what's going on in their career, I get the number one issue that they feel like they're capped out. They can't go anywhere. I had somebody who actually said to me a few months ago that in order for that person to get promoted, their boss would have to die. (laughs) (laughs) That's no fun, right? So he's like, well, I don't think I can kill him. So maybe I should start looking at something new. Yeah, please don't kill anybody. (laughs) Exactly. Interesting. So as part of this, you know, you said there are CEOs who continuously recruit or are always recruiting, but there's a lot of toll on your time. There's a lot of demand in a lot of different places. How much time do you think, you know, a typical tech startup CEO would spend on hiring? I only deal primarily with startups. And so it should be selective recruiting. I don't think that if a CEO is out and that CEO is approachable and you meet somebody who's good, bring them in, interview them, talk to them. I wouldn't say as a CEO, I would go out of my way to engage. I mean, there's far more productive activities that you can do. I mean, if you're in a position where you can hire a recruiter and they can do that over to you, or you can give that to your other generals within the company, it should be more their role for the different departments. But initially, when you're getting started and you're a seed round funded company, or or maybe pretty close to that, I mean, you're going to constantly be recruiting and constantly be trying to fundraise, right? And then making sure you're steering the ship. So I don't know if there's like an answer to how much time somebody should be spending. Whatever's appropriate to make sure that you're getting the best people and you're still getting your job done. That makes sense. You and I are both entrepreneurs, right? So it's a nonstop job. I don't know about you, but I work a lot of weekends, probably just like you. I don't know when I've taken a pure pure weekends off. So yes, that's all I tell people. Weekend, that that means that I may not be coming to office. So that's what weekend. (laughs) Exactly. I get bogged down with work too. And I'm like, oh, I've got deadlines. I have to hit. I mean, a weekend for me is four-hour window on a Sunday that I can go out and hang out with my family. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, uh, you know, our audience mainly B2B marketers, sales, uh, technology professionals. So what are some of the common challenges you see companies face in B2B tech space when it comes to hiring sales and marketing? Does the challenge differ compared to like just tech recruiting and sales and marketing? I do both. So there's a couple things. Engineers, I think, are different than sales and marketing. And I think sales and marketing are kind of diametrically opposed in a way. I feel like there's still a talent shortage. You still need to go out and you need to find people and you have to be proactive. If you're building a company and you're an entrepreneur, it's not on them to respond to you. It's on you to go find them. Passive candidate recruiting, or what they call passive candidate recruiting, there's a lot of different definitions of what that is, but they say it accounts for about 73% of the market right now. So it's somebody who you're pulling out of a company and placing into your company, right? That's where your pool is. So if you're spending money on things like job boards and employer branding and marketing, sorry, some of you employer branding people, marketing people, it's great. You need to have that messaging in place, but that's not going to attract passive talent. Passive talent are people who are not checking out the job boards. They're not reading your posts. They're not doing things because they're heads down, busy working. So you have to be able to tap those people on the shoulder and get them interested in your company somehow. And that's people to people reach out right now. The challenge that I find is that there's such a barrage of messaging. Matul, look at your own email box. How many emails are you getting on a daily basis that go into your other box or your spam box? Or It's overwhelming. So you have to do something really creative to get past those. But just in tech in general, you're going to have to identify people that you want to get. You're going to have to go out and reach out and get them. And you're going to have to pick up the phone and call them. Not a lot of people are calling. So maybe that's the avenue. Maybe we're bringing back old school. I don't know. <laughs> well, if there are sales, especially when they're in sales or marketing, I'm, I'm sure that they would definitely pick up a phone or at least they would have something where you, where you can call them. Or you need to create messaging too that is targeted toward what their pain points would be. So salespeople, they always complain. Like, what do they always complain about? Well, they complain about the product, they complain about their VP of engineering, and they complain about their comp structure. So you can probably kind of hit something in there and, and maybe get somebody's interest. Marketing people always complain about salespeople. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. And marketing, if you think about it, marketing to me is, okay, I'm going to piss off a lot of salespeople here, but I think that marketing is the new sales in a way. To me, marketing is almost as important, if not more important, or it's becoming more important than actually having a sales force. But then again, you know, with people not listening, you know, you still need somebody to pick up that phone and dial. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That's what actually we do at Demand Matrix to enable marketers with all the intelligence and information as to who is potentially in your market I mean, for your product and services, where we clearly see that marketing is reaching deeper and deeper into the funnel rather than just at the top of the funnel to middle of the funnel to qualify, validate, figure out the opportunity, understand the intent so that it makes the job of sales uh, salesperson much more streamlined and easier. We see this every day. Yeah, if you're keeping uh, salespeople where they want to be, which is making sales, then they're gonna they're gonna be happy, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to vetting candidates for B two B tech marketing or sales role, 
What are some of your tips to keep in mind? So I treat every role or every person as an individual. I mean, the, the most important thing in vetting somebody is make sure they have the right motivation first. Make sure that what they desire out of their career matches with what your opportunity is. And then gather evidence of an impact, impact that they've made in their current or former role. I am a big believer that past performance is a key indicator of future performance. If you've got somebody who has kind of stepped out of their comfort zone and taken a chance and made an impact and done some things, and you can gain evidence of that, that's usually going to be somebody who's going to be a great hire for you. If it's if you need somebody to be that person, but yet they've just come in and they do what they're told to do, and they haven't been that initiative person, then you're making a bad hire. So you should be vetting people based on what the role really needs. If you just need that person to come in and do what you tell them to do, then look for that person. But again, you want to gather evidence as to whether or not that person is going to be a hire rather than just taking a guess. These are some very sound and amazing insights what you're providing, Rick. Well, I think time has flown by. You know, I always say, I mean, it, it's time flies. I just flies made them up right now. <laughs> <laughs> so time flies when you're having fun. Totally. Any final parting thoughts or any key takeaways or word of uh, advice you'd like to share? Yeah. If you're doing recruiting right now, especially if you're doing the marketing or sales piece of it, I think it's really important that you just treat every individual as an individual, not as a transaction. So if you treat recruiting from a solution-minded approach first, you're going to get a much better outcome and you're going to hire a much better employee. When it comes to your interview process, make sure you have a very clear journey mapped out because nothing turns off good people more than a haphazard or terrible interview process. If you're not taken seriously in your interview process, you better rethink it. If you're getting offered turndowns, you need to start there first. And then finally, I would say, listen to people. Listen to understand, not to respond. And if you take the time to do that, you're going to do a much more effective job hiring great people. I think these are, again, great insights and word of wisdom. So thank you again. Thank you for participating in the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.